Hello everyone and welcome back to Scratch the Scripture. I'm your host Caden Tart. Now before we get started with this week's question, I would just like to take a second and thank all of um, our listeners who have been providing our audience base. We, we really wouldn't have been able to do this show if it weren't for an audience base. So really thank you. And looking back on all the um, handful of episodes that we've done so far, it just it's so nice to see that that progression, right, of my ability to speak and our ability to provide fluid episodes for you guys. And we, we really hope that we're doing a, a good job in the community, really. All right. And besides that, our this week's question is, what does the Bible say about guardian angels? It was sent in from a man named Aiden. And if you haven't already, send us a question at our Gmail because we really need those. <laughs> and uh, we also have a Discord server set up, which acts as sort of like a digital youth room where we play games, fool around and talk about Christianity, God, the Bible, the works. I'll leave a link in the description if you're interested. And if you really want to know the answer to this week's question, then please feel free to stick around. So do we have a guardian angel assigned to us from the beginning of our birth to the end of our lives, right? The, this idea of a guardian angel is constantly being thrown around in our culture. And I know that you guys have heard of this idea of an individualized angel protecting you your whole lives. And if it's not uh, personal, then it um, is a guardian angel protecting your house from evil spirits, right? So so where, where does this idea of the guardian angel come from, and what does the Bible say about it? Well, um, in history, some early church followers cited extra-biblical writings, such as a book called The Shepherd of Hermas, and this book taught the idea of every individual having two angels follow them around their whole lives, one good angel and one bad angel, otherwise known as a demon. And these two, the angel and the demon, would sort of duke it out and battle for your soul your whole life. And it was used to explain the, the struggle and the tension that humans faced every day for their entire lives between good and bad. It was the demon and the angel influencing them. And this idea has actually been... Um, shifted into the big screen. We've seen this in cliches in famous childhood movies where uh, the main character would undergo some sort of moral decision and then an angel would poof right onto his right shoulder and a demon on his left and they would whisper things in the main character's ears and maybe even fight each other on screen. Now, some other early church writings that describe this notion would also be the Epistle of Barnabas, and the first principles written by Oregon, just to give a few. And this idea of guardian angels was actually pretty famous. Given that the guardian angels notion is very popular to this day, many will seek to defend the doctrine of guardian angels by using the single verse that is uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. And it says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. The key term here is little ones, and this term refers to believers in Christ rather than children. And since these little ones are Christians, it is assumed that this verse points to the 
um, angels being personal and that they are assigned to us at birth. But this doesn't quite add up because this verse doesn't tell us that each person has an individual angel, nor does it say that this angel follows them their whole life. So even though this idea is not scripturally based, though, many will use the book of Daniel as an argumentative point, given that Daniel was saved from the lion's den by an angel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also saved from a furnace by an angel. They are absolutely correct, though. The people of the book of Daniel were saved by angels, but we also have to understand that what occurred in these moments in the book of Daniel were a one-time event and should not be understood as something that is normative to every person living today. God sent these angels to protect these men for a specific purpose at a specific time so that God's plan could be shown to the world the way he wanted. And many believers, actually, will often link Matthew chapter 18 and the passages in the book of Daniel to one another in hopes of promoting this idea of guardian angels. But we should not put so much of our faith on an unlikely interpretation of the Bible, uh, let alone try and mix and match them so that it somewhat makes sense. I understand, though, why the doctrine of guardian angels is attractive. It's because people feel extremely comfortable knowing that they have a guardian angel who is constantly working to keep them safe for their entire lives, even to the point that they feel important and remarkable. The main issue with the doctrine of guardian angels is not that it makes us feel safe and secure. It's that it makes us feel safe and secure in the wrong being. It makes us feel comfortable in our guardian angels instead of God, who we should actually be focusing all of our attention towards, not the, the guardian angels. That's why God didn't send down guardian angels. It's so that we can feel safe in him. Uh, John Gilhooly from Cedarville University puts it like this. He says, it is bad doctrine that makes creatures secure by creatures. We should not look to angels to preserve us, but to God. Anything less is superstitious at best and blasphemous at worst. And I think that's an amazing way to frame it. And nowhere in the Bible does it actually mention a personalized guardian angel. So we shouldn't, so we shouldn't be shaping the Bible to take that notion, right? We should instead put our full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as he keeps us in eternal comfort. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, then go to anchor.fm slash scratch the scripture for more episodes. And feel free to shoot us a question at scratchthescripture at gmail.com for the series. Tune in next Sunday as we answer the question, what if you never heard of Christ? And remember, we're only just beginning to scratch the scripture. <laughs>